Are you ready to revolutionize the way you enjoy food and essentials at home? Introducing DashPass from DoorDash, your ultimate ticket to convenience and savings. With DashPass, you gain exclusive access to unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders, along with members-only deals and discounts that will leave your wallet smiling. Whether you're craving the flavors of your favorite restaurants, need groceries from across town, or anything in between, DashPass ensures that everything you need is just a few clicks away, delivered right to your door. With DashPass, not only do you enjoy $0 delivery fees, but you'll also benefit from lower service fees on eligible orders, making it the most affordable way to satisfy your cravings and stock up on essentials from your local favorites. What I really love is how quickly DashPass pays for itself. On average, it takes just two orders, which makes it a no-brainer investment for your budget. And as if that weren't enough, DashPass grants you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, adding an extra layer of excitement to your DoorDash experience. You get all this for only $9.99 a month, which is a small price to pay for unlimited convenience and savings. My family and I have had DoorDash for the past year or so, and while I make most meals at home, I don't know that I could mom without it. I used it twice just this past week while we were dealing with a stomach bug at home, and it was so nice to have and to be able to focus on getting better and not running all over town to pick everything up for everyone. Don't wait. Sign up for DashPass now and unlock a world of possibilities, all from the comfort of your home. DashPass from DoorDash, delivering joy, convenience, and savings straight to your doorstep. Get more from delivery for less with DashPass. $0 delivery fees and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for DashPass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for DashPass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply. Hey guys, and welcome to the Moms and Murder Podcast, a true crime podcast featuring myself, Mandy, and my dear friend, Melissa. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Mandy. How are you? I'm doing awesome. How are you? Good. Feels like it's been a while. It hasn't. I think we just stretched it. Last week, we went a little early, and this week, we went a little late, so yeah. it's a little weird, right? Yeah. Yeah, it is a little weird. Um, but yeah, it hasn't been that long. Not as long as you're making it seem. No. <laughs> but now I feel like it has been. So yes. It's been 80 years. Yeah. <laughs> The lady from Titanic. Yeah, but no, I'm glad to be here. I'm very excited about this episode. This is a story that I always feel like whenever I say this is a story, I'm going to end it with about a girl named Lucky. Yes. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But this is a story that I I must have seen on something because it's fascinating. There's lots going on with it, way more than I even remember knowing whenever I first heard about this story. So I'm very um, intrigued by this story, and I think our listeners will really enjoy it as well. Yeah, this was a story that when I started um, learning about it, it was like a deja vu moment because I feel like I have heard of this case before, but I can't really remember, you know, where and I don't I didn't remember a lot of the details about it. So, um, yeah, I kind of had one of those moments. So, um, yeah, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. I think it's definitely a very interesting story. So when it comes to the different motives that we've heard for murder, financial gain is one that really tops the list. Many stories have been told about how money has come between families or people who used to care for each other, or stories about how someone who had a lot of money was taken advantage of or killed. 
Today, we have a story that was motivated by greed, but there were more surprises in store as the details of the crime were unraveled. In the twilight hours of March 23, 2006, Kathy Mock, a dog groomer from Cassville, Missouri, called 911 in Novinger, Missouri, which was 300 miles away from where she actually lived, and said that she was with her friend Kay Young and that the two of them had just found Kay's husband, Bo Griesbauer, with, quote, a big hole in the side of his face. Bo was dead of an apparent gunshot wound, Kathy said, and it appeared to her that he had taken his own life. The 911 operator asked Kathy to put Bo's wife Kay on the phone. At first, Kay refused, but then she finally came on the line crying and told the dispatcher that Bo wasn't depressed and he hadn't been sick or anything leading up to this. Bo was a Missouri native and a specialist in the U.S. Army National Guard. He also worked at Cargill Meat Processing in Iowa, which he commuted 70 miles to each day, which is quite a drive. It is, yeah. 70 miles is, you have to, I feel like you have to like the job that you're at to want to drive that far each day. Yeah, or there could just be nothing in the area, but I always forget, well, geography. And so whenever I heard Iowa in this story, I was like, wait, what? It's Missouri and Iowa? How close are they? They're very close. Uh, right, yeah. Realize. <laughs> Yeah, they're they're right next to each other. Um, so Bo had three children from a previous relationship or possibly relationships, we aren't sure, but they did not live with him at the time of his death. Bo had been married to Kay for just two years, and for her, this was marriage number four. The couple lived together on a 92-acre farm on Penny Royal Road that had been in Kay's family for years. It was where Kay ran her own business, which was dog breeding. The couple lived in the four-bedroom house on the farm, and there was also a barn and other outbuildings on the property as well. In addition to breeding dogs, Kay was also an RN and an educator who worked in various schools, elementary through high school, in northern Missouri from 1997 to 2007, and she was once the superintendent of a local school district. Soon after Kay and Bo married in 2004, he was deployed to Iraq for almost a year. By 2006, though, Kay was struggling financially and had to take out a mortgage on the farm. In order to get approval for this loan, she had to put Bo's name on the title. And she did get approved and was able to pay off a lot of the farm debts, but still it wasn't enough. Her financial problems continued. Kathy Mock was a friend of Kay's who she had met through the dog breeding community. Kathy was a dog groomer who owned her own business called, and I love this, Bark of the Town. Yeah, that's pretty clever. It is. It's great. I That's like my favorite thing about people with small businesses is like how clever their titles will be. Love this. Yeah. This was great. So Kathy lived around 300 miles away in Cassville, Missouri, but she would see Kay often when they would cross paths in the business world. But on the night of Bo Griesbauer's death, Kathy wasn't in town visiting on business. When the first officer arrived at the scene after Kathy and Kay had dialed 911 to report that Kay's husband had been found dead, it was 2.11 a.m., a lever-action rifle was found next to Bo's body, but suspiciously, the rifle was actually cocked and had a live round in the chamber. And so obviously, this meant that Bo was not able to shoot himself with this gun because how would he have shot himself and then loaded it, you know, to be ready again to shoot it after he had fired it and killed himself? So officers checked the rest of the property to be sure there wasn't some, you know, psycho killer out there, but they determined that the only two living people there were Kathy and Kay. Kay was interviewed, and she told investigators that Bo had been commuting to work in Iowa recently, so she went to pick him up at a convenience store in Kirksville, Iowa, at 1.20 a.m., and they arrived back at the farm about 10 minutes later. 
Kay said that her friend Kathy was in town and had been staying over their house that night. Shortly after Kay and Bo returned, Bo allegedly told the two women that he was going outside to the barn to check on the dogs and to check some traps he'd set in the barn area. They said that when Bo left, he didn't take a weapon with him, but just a few minutes later, while Kay was upstairs putting away laundry, they heard a gunshot from outside. Kay looked outside and waited to see the barn lights come on, indicating that Bo was out there, but they never did. So at this point, Kay and Kathy decide they need to see what's going on. So they notice that the gate is wide open, which is odd, and then that's when they notice that Bo is lying on the ground. When Kay checked for a pulse and didn't find one, she actually threw up and then went back inside to clean herself up with washcloths and towels. Around 3 a.m., Sheriff Leonard Clark arrived at the farm and found that Kay was visibly upset, crying and wiping tears from her face. Because Kathy and Kay were both present when Bo's body was discovered and because they made the 911 call together, officers actually wanted to interview the two women separately. Kay told the sheriff that Bo needed to be picked up from work at around 1 o'clock in the morning, and she said that Kathy was already at their house, and she stayed there while Kay drove to pick up Bo. According to Kay, Kathy was asleep when she and Bo returned, and Bo went out to the barn. She said Bo was known to be reckless with his weapons, and he would carry around a loaded gun just kind of willy-nilly, like not really with a lot of safety in mind. Right. She said she woke Kathy up when she heard the gunshot so that they could go out and investigate together. That's when they found Bo dead, shot in the face, and dialed 911. Kay was asked to give the investigators the clothes that she was wearing when she found Bo's body. Kathy told a very similar story to the sheriff. She said that she takes this pain medication that makes her very sleepy, and she reiterated that she was asleep when Bo was shot. She gave the police her shoes as evidence, and then she was allowed to leave. So the police continued to search the farm. In the meantime, at around 5 o'clock that morning, Kay went to her son Jared's house, about three miles away from the farm. Kathy left and went to her friend Jean's house. And here's where things kind of get a little weird. When Kathy gets to Jean's, she told Jean that, you know, she's in really big trouble because she had just taken all these pills, a lot of Vicodin that... Kay had given her and told her to take. Hmm. Yeah. So as you probably guessed, the police were on the right track with thinking that one of these two women or both of them had something to do with Bo's murder. And Kay's plan included having her friend Kathy take enough pills to overdose on so that she could, quote, get 30 to 60 days in an insane asylum instead of penitentiary time. So it doesn't really look too good for Kay right now giving her friend these pills and saying this. Um, So now the police are kind of like, we definitely need to look into these two women, specifically Kay, a little bit closer. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. What on earth? (laughs) I don't even understand that sentence that like to that maybe she did something, but she was insane at the time of doing it. Is that kind of do you think that's where she was going with that? Yeah, I think she was saying, hey, if you have this event where you try to overdose on pills right now, then it's going to look like, you know, you'll have a reason to say, look, you know, look at all these crazy actions I was taking at this time. Like, you know, I can't be held liable if I had any involvement in this murder. I think that was kind of the idea. But yeah, that's a dangerous idea. But what if you what if Kathy dies, too? Like, right. It's just it's a terrible plan. Always is. It always is. Um, And we're going to get back into the rest of the story after a quick break to hear a word from this week's sponsors. 
Do you have people in your life that you love, but you're just at a total loss as to what to buy them? Maybe it's someone like my father-in-law who has all these really amazing stories that I'm often really just shocked to know are even true. If so, StoryWorth might just be the gift you're looking for. StoryWorth is an online service that helps both you and your loved ones preserve all those precious memories and stories to keep for years to come. StoryWorth sends an email every week to your relative or friend with a thought-provoking question of your choice. That doesn't mean you have to write 52 questions all by yourself, but you can search through the pool of possible options and decide which ones you'd like to include as well as add some of your own. After one year, StoryWorth will take all the questions that you've asked, things like how did you meet your spouse or what's a piece of parenting advice that your parents gave you, and they'll take these stories as well as photos and put it into a beautiful keepsake book that you and your family can have for years to come. We actually get updates and read the prompts that my father-in-law has answered, and I can't wait to have copies made to give our kids so they can know more about their grandfather for years to come. Reading about how my in-laws met was one of the sweetest things I've ever read and totally unexpected for my father-in-law. With StoryWorth, I'm giving those I love most a thoughtful, personal gift from the heart and preserving their memories and stories for years to come. Go to storyworth.com moms and save $10 on your first purchase. That's storyworth.com moms to save $10 on your first purchase. Guys, we did it. We've almost made it through the end of 2021. And while we still have a couple months to go, you know and we know that the next few months are going to be the busiest of the year. Whether your kid needs a gift for a teacher you didn't even know that they had or a costume for a holiday you are certain has been made up, we're all going to be running on fumes and we want to help you out by sharing our experience with HelloFresh. HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit and for good reason. They make it easy and delicious for you to make meals your whole family will enjoy without taking you all night to create. Take, for example, HelloFresh's quick and easy meals that take between 15 to 20 minutes apiece for dinners, breakfasts on the go, and even more easy options that are perfect for a busy lifestyle. And while there are some other quick meals out there, few could be this delicious. HelloFresh actually has 50 menu and market items each week, which includes their ready-to-eat salads, sandwiches, and soups. I'm not a super adventurous eater, so I tend to pick out recipes with foods I'm already familiar with, like the bacon and cream supreme spaghetti with broccoli. Yes, bacon and spaghetti. I think I even drooled a little bit when I said that. It's just such a delicious twist on a classic dinner, and since I'm no Martha Stewart, I love that each meal comes with easy-to-follow recipe cards, making it Melissa-proof. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Moms14 and use code Moms14 for up to 14 free meals plus free shipping. Again, go to HelloFresh.com slash Moms14 and use code Moms14 for up to 14 free meals plus free shipping. And now back to the episode. So before the break, we were talking about Kay and Kathy finding Bo's body, calling the police, and finding out that Kathy is now basically overdosed on this Vicodin pills that her friend Kay has given her. And as it turned out, really, Kay had a plan for everything. Shortly before Bo's departure with the military, Kay actually took out multiple life insurance policies on her new husband and listed herself as a primary beneficiary to these policies. These totaled over $1.1 million. Bo also had life insurance through the Army and Air Force Mutual Aid Association that Kay was beneficiary to. This policy in particular actually provided many benefits, including a beneficiary sum of at least $6,000. Kay also enrolled Bo in an accidental death and dismemberment policy, which would pay $37,500. Dismemberment policy? I don't think I want that on my policy. 
I think that's just like what they have. That's I don't just what like it's the called. word. <laughs> I know. Well, I think it's it's just an all. It's like an umbrella term. Yes. Yeah. It's an umbrella <laughs> term that I wouldn't love. Um, yes. <laughs> so that would pay thirty seven thousand five hundred dollars, and this was something that she enrolled him in through her own jobs insurance. Kay also enrolled him in another death and dismemberment policy that would pay at least $100,000. So around the same time, Kay is friends with Kathy, and Kathy's also experiencing this really rough patch in her life. She was struggling financially, and her two sons were also having problems. Kathy was really stressed out to the point that her former daughter-in-law traveled all the way from Massachusetts to come help her. If your former daughter-in-law is traveling across the country, I would say things are maybe Pretty bad. Yeah. It's not your daughter-in-law. It's your former right. daughter-in-law. Yeah. Yeah. So according to this ex-daughter-in-law, Carrie, Kathy was at the end of her rope at this time. One day uh, around March 13th, Kathy gets this call from Kay, who was upset because Bo had purchased a $300,000 life insurance policy on her life and he allegedly threatened her by telling her that she wasn't going to be around to enjoy this new house that he was going to buy with the money. Which, if you called and told me that, I would be losing my mind, freaking right. out. Like, yeah. what's your mind frame when somebody tells you this? When somebody tells me shocking news, I basically disassociate for a while <laughs> before I can yeah. even come around with any ideas. Yeah, if anybody called me and told me something like that, I would obviously be like, yeah, it's time to call the police or like, do you need me right. to go with you to the police or how, you know, what's your next move here? Because that is, that would be a very terrifying thing for your spouse to say to you. For sure. And so of course, like we're saying, this call makes Kathy upset and she's concerned for her friend, but instead of contacting authorities or offering really legitimate ways and resources for Kay, Kathy decided to ask her ex-daughter-in-law, Carrie, if she knew anyone who would kill somebody. Whoa. Yeah. Carrie says no. Like, I feel like most of us would say, I don't, I've thought about this before and I don't have anyone I know that would right. <laughs> be like ready to kill that I would have on my list. Wouldn't Melissa, do it nobody anyway. would ask you. Nobody. <laughs> Although I'm a good person to ask because what if I did have one person? No one I know. would ever suspect me. <laughs> So a missed opportunity for everyone. Um, but Carrie, of course, says no. And she says, you know, hey, what's the going rate for a hit anyway? And Kathy said they're willing to pay $6,000. Which, I mean, I guess that's like mid-range considering some of the other But if you want to not get heard. caught, if you want to not get caught, $6,000? No. Right. Yeah. I want to pay to silence you. Yeah. <laughs> I need to stop Seriously. sounding like I'm currently planning a murder. I am not. <laughs> but apparently I've been thinking about this episode a lot. Right. <laughs> so the next day, Kathy and her other daughter-in-law went to visit Kay at the farm to deliver some dogs. While they were there, Kay told Kathy that she was afraid of Bo and said she wanted to leave him because of his threats against her. Kathy, being the good friend that she is, promised to help Kay get away from Bo. Around two days later, Kathy asked her son Thomas if he knew anyone that would kill somebody. And this time, she said specifically that it was Kay who was asking and that she was willing to pay $10,000. She's bumped it up a little bit. She got the memo there, Melissa, yeah. <laughs> that 6000 was too much of a low ball. So she bumped it up to 10000 so Kathy told her son about the alleged abuse and said that she feared for Kay's safety. 
Thomas thought Kathy was being silly and she wasn't serious about this at all. And he told her that he didn't know any hitmen, which it's her son. And like as a mom, if I asked my son this and then they said, hey, yeah, I know someone, I would be like, wait a minute. Like, I'm concerned about you and me. <laughs> right. Like we're what both making you know, bad choices. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. On March 21st, Kay requested an additional $10,000 on the farm mortgage loan, and she was approved for it less than 24 hours before Bo's death. It was March 22nd when Kathy left her home in Cassville and drove to the farm in Novinger. Kathy asked her son Thomas to drive her, but he refused. She lied to some of her family members about where she was going and said that she was going to get some, quote, stress relief at a nearby hospital, which... I don't really know what that means. Hi, I've never been in a hospital and not felt completely stressed out. So <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> did she mean spa? I don't understand. I mean, I, I I guess like if you are going to check yourself in for treatment of some kind, I, I don't know. But she that's that's what she said. She was going to a nearby hospital for stress relief. So earlier on this day, she also went to Walmart and she purchased a ski mask and used a credit card and even signed the receipt for the purchase, which if you're trying to hide anything, rule number one is you don't buy it on a card and you certainly don't sign your name on the slip if you're going to do that. Guys, this is the episode where we give you all the hints on how to carry (laughs) off something. (laughs) We're very mad. (laughs) Yeah. So she then went on to Kay and Bo's farm and the two women set their plan into motion. When Kay and Bo returned at around 1.15 a.m., Kathy was there waiting to attack. Bo was shot in the cheek with a rifle, which was later determined to belong to Kay. Shortly after 2 a.m., the two women called 911. So while officers were there searching the farm, Sheriff Clark gets a call from a jail administrator informing him that Bo was in the Army National Guard and had a large life insurance policy there. And they said that the sheriff should contact them. Police found a military life insurance policy dated August 16th, 2004, with a payout of $400,000 to Kay if Bo died. They also found records showing that Kay was in considerable debt to the tune of about $70,000, as well as emails that they found between Kay and Bo regarding an outstanding loan. They also found a shell casing inside the doorway to the barn, which was about 20 feet away from Bo's body which indicated to the police that his body had actually been moved after he was shot. And this really made sense because the location of his body relative to the location of the rifle near him really didn't make any sense. Shoe prints were there showing a star pattern that were found near the body, as well as a three-hole ski mask that turned out to be the one that Kathy purchased earlier that day. The mask was found wrapped around a pair of used latex gloves somewhere away from the barn. So that afternoon, police go to speak with Kathy and Kay again. And they were both at Kay's son Jared's house. Again, Kay is who is married to Bo. Kathy is a friend. And I'm only repeating that for myself as well as for everybody else because it gets confusing. So they tell her that they need DNA swabs and hair samples as well as the clothes that Kathy had been wearing when Bo's body was found. Kay was informed of her right to an attorney before submitting her DNA, but she declined to exercise that right. And a little side note here, it's unclear exactly whether or not they actually obtained Kathy's DNA at this time, um, because she had actually taken all those Vicodin pills and her friend took her to the hospital at some point to be treated for this overdose. So we're not sure if she was actually there at this point when the police stopped by for these DNA samples. On March 24th, Kay called Sheriff Clark and requested a meeting with him. 
When he got there, she said that she wanted to actually change her story. Now she said that on the night her husband was killed, after she heard the gunshot, she said that she looked around for Kathy, but couldn't find her for about three or four minutes, which is not the same story that she gave originally, where right. she said that Kathy was definitely inside the house and that she woke her up and they went outside together. Now she's saying, hey, I couldn't even find Kathy for several minutes. She said that when she finally did find her, she was sitting in the bathroom, quote, flipping out. So it kind of appears now that Kay is taking a different approach and is really just starting to throw Kathy under the bus and trying to pin Bo's murder directly on her. She's changing the story in a way that kind of makes it look like, hey, Kathy, you know, is really suspicious here. On March 25th, Kathy's son Thomas told the police what he knew about the time leading up to Bo's death. He told them specifically that his mom asked him if he knew anyone willing to kill Bo for $10,000 at the behest of Kay. Thomas told the police that he told his mom no, but then on March 22nd, Kathy asked him to drive her to Kay's farm, and she said that she was expecting Kay to give her a vehicle, and Thomas could then take that vehicle and drive it back home. During this meeting with investigators, Thomas also handed over a gallon-size bag of Vicodin pills. Oh, A gallon-size bag. Can you imagine how many pills would be in a gallon-size bag of pills? No, but if I had to take an estimate, I'm going to go with 1,000. I'm going to Google this later. I'm just curious. How yeah, you say? well, apparently word on the street was that – oh, I don't know how many would be um, in a gallon size. I can't even begin to venture a guess into that, but maybe – yeah, let me know if you Google that and find out. Oh, I will. <laughs> let me know how think about weird. Let me know how weird your Google search Ugh. terms look after that. But word on the street actually was that Kay was quite the street pharmacist, if you know what I'm saying. She apparently had access somehow to a lot of different pills, um, different varieties. So for whatever reason, she gave this entire gallon-sized bag of Vicodin pills to Kathy as part of their. I guess, alibi or as part of her later to use in her defense, I still am not clear what the purpose of this really was. But he said that his mom's friend, Jean, had given these pills to him, to Thomas, after, you know, after that night and said, hey, your mom showed up with these. This, you know, is the story she gave me. So this interview with Thomas is what really solidified Kathy as a suspect in Bo's murder um, in the eyes of the police. You know, he wasn't there speaking on his mom's behalf, he was there saying, no, she did come to me and ask about a hitman. And by the way, here's this, you know, big giant bag of evidence, all these pills um, that were also used in connection with this crime. And so he's really kind of cooperative with the police. So after they speak with him, they're thinking, okay, we were on the right track here with Kathy. So the police went to her residence on March 26 and searched, and they found the Walmart receipt for the ski mask that they found at the crime scene. The one that I said she signed her signature on. Like, right. hey, this was definitely me that I, you know, that purchased this. So Kathy was officially arrested at a mental health facility on March 30th and charged with first degree murder. Authorities also announced at this time that there could potentially be other people charged in this crime in the future. Meanwhile, while Kay was still living free, she actually put the farm up for sale less than two weeks after Bo's murder for $290,000, which this was, what, a 92-acre farm? It's huge. Yeah. And it has a house and outbuildings and a barn. I mean, I would love to buy a farm for $290,000. That sounds amazing. Yeah, for sure. 
So police are watching her as this person of interest at this time. So they know that this farm is going up for sale. But of course, you know, selling your own property isn't a crime. So they really just had to wait. Investigators said they were waiting on lab tests before making any further arrests. On March 29th, Kay actually filed a claim for Bo's largest life insurance policy through the military. In August of 2007, Kay decided it was okay to file a claim for one of the accidental and dismemberment policies that she had taken out on her husband. I always wonder what they say when you call them so many months later and try to cash on the claim. I guess it's fine. I guess it's not suspicious on its own, but it always, I don't know, just in... Even in in my life dealing with certain things like that, you know, after my father passed away and trying to just make sure that we, you know, had crossed all the T's and dotted all the I's. But, you know, there was things that came up way later down the road. And, like, I always felt so weird calling them being like, oh, I'm sorry to be calling you, you know, 10 months later. But, like, I just found this or whatever the deal is. Um, So it was just interesting to me that Kay let so much time pass before she actually tried to cash in some of these policies. Yeah. You know, I guess didn't think I I guess it isn't weird. Maybe I'm just weird. No, but I can (laughs) see how if that's like you're like trying not to show that show your hand like it wasn't I wasn't motivated by money. I'm not going to cash them all in the first week. I, you know, selling the house and then later I'll, you know, cash this one out later. I'll cash this one out because some of them you see they cash them out like the day of they're like on the phone with 911 and then on the phone with a life insurance policy. So then months pass before anything else happens in this case. But in early March of 2008, officials actually announced that they were going to be exhuming the body of Kay's mother who died in the year 2000 at the age of 78. Her death was at the time assumed to be from natural causes. So there was no autopsy performed at the time of her death. But now, with this investigation into Bo's murder still underway, police had reason to believe they needed to look into her mother Celia's death as well. And so an autopsy was performed. As it turned out, prosecutors believed that Kay actually had something to do with not just Bo's murder, but multiple other deaths as well, including her own mother. Didn't oh see this my coming. Gosh, no. No, this is wild. So they also uncover this evidence that Kay had actually attempted to hire a hitman more than once in the past. She actually tried to put a hit on two of her previous husbands. Whoa. Can you imagine being that third husband and being like, how did oh my how did I get so lucky that uh. she she didn't try this on me? So on March 17th, 2008, Kay was actually pulled over while driving and arrested for first degree murder. When she was arrested, she actually said what all of us would say, right? Normal thing? Murder of who? <laughs> Can you imagine having that many people that you could be, you know, involved Charged, in that you're right. like, we could get a little more specific. So officers searched her truck and found a purse with a notebook that had loose papers inside. The top page of this notebook had a handwritten page that said, quote, use her drugged state to convince her she shot him, offered 10000 to kill him was turned down. If I collaborate, she meant corroborate, this is not a Vanilla Ice song, her story, Bucks, Sheriff here, 3.30 p.m. It's a little disjointed. They're obviously shorthand notes to herself, but clearly they have, they don't, the meaning of them doesn't appear to be very good. Right. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's enough going on there that it's definitely connected. And so Kay was then taken into custody. And we're going to get right back to the end of the story after one last break to hear a word from this week's sponsors.
Whether you're a new mom or a been around the block mom, the one thing we can all agree on is that motherhood is really freaking hard. And while we all want to raise happy kids, it can be hard to do that when our focus has been on our kids and our mental health and emotional well-being has been neglected for so long. Introducing the Mama Zen app. Mama Zen is just that. Zen for your mama self. When you download the app, you answer questions about challenges you're having, as well as things you're wanting to improve. Mama Zen then creates a personalized program that fits your own unique motherhood journey. One of the Mind Power sessions I'm really enjoying, and I feel like it could really benefit so many of us, is the feel good while taking me time. I'm not sure why this is such a hard thing for us moms, but we're really conditioned to think time away means that we are basically abandoning our kids. Listening to this Mind Power session helps shift my focus on why it's good for me to rest and recharge by myself to be the best mom I can when I return. And you don't need to use Mama Zen daily to get the results you're wanting. You can just try once or twice a week to feel huge changes in your life. The Mind Power sessions are short, just 2 to 18 minutes long, making it easy to sneak in an emergency session when you feel like your head is spinning and you need to calm down quickly. And there's nothing out there like Mama Zen, something that's so dedicated to the mental and emotional well-being of moms. We really want you to try Mama Zen and see for yourself how much better you can feel as a mom. Go to your app store or Google Play and download Mama Zen today. That's M-A-M-A-Z-E-N. Right now, you can use promo code MOMS. That code will unlock your free trial so you can try Mama Zen for yourself. Mama, your mental and emotional well-being is the most important thing for you, your kids, and your family. Don't postpone it any longer. The holidays are fast approaching, which means you're about to get a whole lot of family time. And while I love my family and I love family time, sometimes I just need a break. And that's why I love Best Fiends. Best Fiends is the match three game that has won my heart. Whether I'm in line at the grocery store or waiting for commercials during my Sunday night Bravo lineup, I can pick up my phone and play a few rounds. What I love is that Best Fiends evolves as you go on. When you start off, you have a little baby version of Fiends, and as you go through and play, you're able to add new Fiends to your game as well as grow them to make them more powerful to help you go further in the game, which can help you solve increasingly challenging puzzles as you progress through the game. Sometimes I need a little mental break, and since staring at a wall can get a few looks, I find that playing a quick round of Best Fiends is just a trick. I'm still zipping away at level 2062, and I find myself still playing a few rounds every day. Friend me with code 2542573 so we can send each other gifts along the way. Download Best Fiends free today on the App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Are you ready to revolutionize the way you enjoy food and essentials at home? Introducing DashPass from DoorDash, your ultimate ticket to convenience and savings. With DashPass, you gain exclusive access to unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders, along with members-only deals and discounts that will leave your wallet smiling. Whether you're craving the flavors of your favorite restaurants, need groceries from across town, or anything in between, DashPass ensures that everything you need is just a few clicks away, delivered right to your door. With DashPass, not only do you enjoy $0 delivery fees, but you'll also benefit from lower service fees on eligible orders, making it the most affordable way to satisfy your cravings and stock up on essentials from your local favorites. What I really love is how quickly DashPass pays for itself. On average, it takes just two orders, which makes it a no-brainer investment for your budget. And as if that weren't enough, DashPass grants you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, adding an extra layer of excitement to your DoorDash experience. 
You get all this for only $9.99 a month, which is a small price to pay for unlimited convenience and savings. My family and I have had DoorDash for the past year or so, and while I make most meals at home, I don't know that I could mom without it. I used it twice just this past week while we were dealing with a stomach bug at home, and it was so nice to have and to be able to focus on getting better and not running all over town to pick everything up for everyone. Don't wait. Sign up for Dash Pass now and unlock a world of possibilities, all from the comfort of your home. Dash Pass from DoorDash, delivering joy, convenience, and savings straight to your doorstep. Get more from delivery for less with Dash Pass. $0 delivery fees and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for Dash Pass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for Dash Pass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply. And now back to the episode. So before the break, Kay has just been taken into custody in the murder of her husband, Bo. And the police and prosecutors have really uncovered a lot of information about Kay's background and history. And there's a lot that suggests that she has maybe attempted something like this before and possibly was even involved in her own mother's death. On April 16th, 2009, Kay wrote to her son, Jared, where she seemed really frustrated with her legal process. The letter said, quote, I remember I asked Sheriff Clark two times eventually about needing a lawyer. Now I can't remember the second time. The first was for DNA swab. I should have refused. Second was at farm. You were with me. Sheriff talking, question mark, question mark, end quote. So it seems like she's writing, you know, to her son, kind of grasping at anything at this point that might be able to help her. It seems like she's suggesting something to do with the fact that she was not offered a lawyer or that's at least the angle that she's trying to take right now, you know, as part of her defense. By September of 2009, Kay had picked her angle and she was really sticking to it. She wrote another letter to her son that read, quote, It's interesting. Joyce heard me ask the sheriff at the farm if I needed an attorney, and Gail heard me ask at your house when they did the DNA. This will become an issue, end quote. Ten days later, an FBI special agent paid a visit to Jared and his wife, Kim. At this point, they knew Jared was not a fan of Bo, and they had a strained relationship. Jared and Kim told the officer that Kay said she asked the sheriff for an attorney twice and both times she was told that she was not a suspect. During 2009, Kay was also writing letters to other potential witnesses trying to persuade them to avoid talking about the insurance matters and even writing to some of them asking that they not tell anybody about her, quote, this made me laugh so hard ability to escape from custody and then to flee the country. I don't know why you would just randomly be like, hey, by the way, please keep your mouth shut about what a like secret, you know, yeah, just just, <laughs> you know, awesome, crazy escape artist. I am I'm like, sorry. What? Did David Blaine get arrested here? I'm confused right. on how this happened. Right. And if I was like in prison and this was like a thing, I just it just makes me laugh to think about sitting down and being like, by the way, please don't tell anyone that I am capable of escaping this prison. You I know. know. Like, like they're like, like, ooh, shaking in their boots waiting for her. <laughs> I hope she wrote it in pig Latin or something to be like, right. they'll never figure this out. Right. Yeah. So in October of 2009, both Kay and Kathy were transferred into federal custody and charged with federal conspiracy charges. 
Their trials were to be held jointly, which Kathy actually tried to object to, but her motion was denied. She wanted to have their trial separately. The judge said, nope, we are trying you guys together. The trial began on March 12, 2012 in St. Louis, Missouri. Prosecutors said that Kay only married Bo for his life insurance policy because she needed the money to save her family dog breeding business. They alleged that Kay had asked Kathy to help her, and they also brought up their theory about how they believed that Kay had killed her mom back in 2000 by injecting her with a lethal dose of morphine before suffocating her with a pillow. They also learned that during the time after Bo died, Kay began conning another 75-year-old woman, telling her that she was like a mother to her and talking her into getting an accidental death policy and naming Kay as the beneficiary. You know how I feel about that. This is after... After this is, this is after Bo has died. She like is you now, know they're looking into you and you're cashing right. out these policies and you're like, you know what? I'm gonna find another granny and do this too. Whoa. Right. Yeah. Well, she did end up uh writing up a will for this woman and naming herself as heir to the woman's estate, which just blows my Whoa. mind. This is somebody she just met and um has already conned her way into this. So the prosecutors also brought up how Kay had tried to have two of her other husbands killed previously. In 1994, Kay asked two men to kill her husband, Frank Neese, who had a $300,000 life insurance policy that she would have received if he'd been killed. Nothing ended up coming of this, thankfully, and Frank was not harmed. They also found another witness named Norman Newland, who lived on Kay's farm as a tenant back in 2002 when she was married to another one of her husbands named David Crawford. Norman said that Kay told him she wanted a divorce, but she was scared that David would get the farm in the divorce. So she asked Norman if he would kill David for her in exchange for $10,000. And Kay added that she would kill Norman's wife for him by staging a horseback riding accident, which I don't really know how we got to that point because I don't know if he wanted his <laughs> wife right. dead or if, or if she was just like, hey, by the way, if you you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours kind of thing. Like it was it's really strange to me that she kind of threw that in on top like she's an infomercial host like, oh, I'll throw in killing your wife if you do this yeah. for me. Like what in the Plus world? shipping and handling and that's right. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she asked Norman to kill David on multiple occasions, but Norman always told her no, and David was never hurt before they finally did get a divorce in 2003. Norman added that Kay said she had a life insurance policy on David and advised him to take one out on his wife as well, which honestly I would take as a threat coming from this woman who's no already- kidding. I would be like, what does that mean? Like, what are you going to do to my wife? Like, right. what? That is so crazy. So, and these really weren't just crazy accusations. The prosecution actually had a lot of damning witnesses testify for them. Amanda Bax, a woman who was in jail with Kay, said that Kay told her she killed Bo for insurance money because she was on the verge of losing her farm, which is what the prosecutors kind of thought anyway. Kay told Amanda that she would rather lose her husband than her farm and that she was willing to let her friend Kathy be her fall guy, which, ooh, gosh, that's just... Yikes is right. So a former lover of Kay's, a guy named Chris Robbins, Chris with a K, of course, because everybody's name starts with a K in this episode. <laughs> um, he testified that Kay told her numerous times that she would like to kill her husband, Bo, and that she wished he was dead. Another love interest named Tim testified that he and Kay met online in 2005 and that Kay told him she was going to be leaving her husband, Bo. They actually went on a date the night before Bo was murdered. 
She asked him, a complete stranger, for advice on how to best invest the life insurance payouts that she was going to be getting very soon. To be fair, I don't think you could ask a financial advisor that, so right. I understand. <laughs> you could Probably ask a Tinder date. To ask a Tinder date, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yet another suitor of Kay's, a man named Jim Goodwin, testified that he and Kay met about a month after Bo was killed and they started a sexual relationship and spent the weekends together. He said that he loaned Kay money, and during their short relationship, Kay asked him to name her as the beneficiary on a life insurance policy. She just really has no qualms about being like, just like it's an everyday thing. Like, right. hey, can you please sign away your life insurance policy to me, someone you just met this month? Like, who does this? This is just bananas to think that there are people who do this and get right. away with it. So he ended up dumping her after he found an email exchange between Kay and her other lover, Chris, where they were talking about Bo's murder. And Chris basically was acting like he knew about, you know, details about this and said that he wouldn't tell anyone as long as Kay repaid him in sexual favors. Well, Jim said that's enough of that. And he cut off the relationship. Good job, Jim. Yes. Not sarcastically. Way to go. Um, So Kathy and Kay each had their own separate defenses. Kathy's defense said that Kay set her up for the murder by convincing her that Bo was abusive and planning to kill Kay for the life insurance money. Kay convinced Kathy that there was no way out of this marriage without killing Bo, even though she's already been married three other times, but okay. So Kathy's defense also brought up how Kay tried to get her to eat a bag full of Vicodin. They also pointed out how the mask and gloves at the crime scene were found in a place that seemed suspiciously planted and that Kay had told a fellow inmate that Kathy was her fall guy. So back to that, whenever I was saying that's so crazy that it was all found there, there's a good chance that Kay was the one that put it there to really set Kathy up, which is terrible. So the defense really is not bad and very believable as far as I'm concerned. Um, for Kathy. But Kay's defense said that nothing the prosecution said was even true and that Kay never wanted to kill Bo and she never asked Kathy for help, which is really bold to say since they have several witnesses saying that. They even have people in, you know, Kay's DMs, that uh, Chris guy saying, I'll never say anything. Like there's enough going on here that that that's kind of a weird defense. So Kay's defense said it was Kathy who had asked people about killing Bo, not Kay. And when she couldn't find anyone, she took matters into her own hands and killed him herself. That actually, I can see how that could play, right? Because definitely it was Kathy that was asking people, but it was for Kay. So they tried to cast doubt on the jailhouse informant by saying that this person had been convicted of multiple crimes, including fraud, and was an overall unreliable source. They explained away Kay taking out so many life insurance policies on Bo because he was in the military and being deployed. After six days of trial, the jury found both Kay and Kathy guilty of conspiracy to commit murder for hire resulting in death and murder for hire resulting in death. Kay showed no reaction when the verdict was read. On June 18, 2012, both Kay and Kathy were sentenced to life in federal prison. Upon hearing her sentence, Kathy broke down in tears and apologized to Bo's family. She said that she prayed for them every night and wished that she could take his place. Kay said nothing, and she showed no reaction. All appeals for both women have been denied so far. As of today, Kay is 67 years old and serving out her sentence in a low-security federal prison in Minnesota. Kathy is serving her time at Carswell in Texas, which is a facility that houses inmates of all security levels— 
The facility is specifically for inmates with special medical and mental health needs. She is also 67 years old. Man, I this is such a terrible story that, of course, that Bo lost his life. But I also, in a way, feel bad for Kathy because I Me feel too. like she was having a terrible time. And, of course, her involvement is not excused because, of course, you should never be involved in any way in a right. crime like this. But I do feel like Kay was very manipulative and that Kay had this master plan. And I do think she was willing to just let Kathy go down as her fall guy. And that was kind of – that was her plan, you know, that she was going to pull this off and – this is how she was going to get away with it. She was going to pin it on her friend Kathy. And ugh, it's just terrible. And then to find out that she had tried this in the past. Right. It's just – and, you know, and Kathy didn't really have anything like that in her past. So right. it does make you think, you know, that Kathy was also a victim of K's to some extent. Sure. Yeah. And it doesn't negate what she did. But if, like you're saying, like if Kathy and Kay never met – Kay would have definitely still did something, you know, done something else. Right. She's done it before or attempted to at least. And Kathy would have gone on with her life. It doesn't, you know, there's nothing to show that she had this in her. But um, man, yeah, super sad. Feel terrible, of course, for Bo's kids and his family. And honestly, for Kathy and her family. Yeah. Because I do think she was definitely manipulated. And it's unfortunate. The whole thing is it's really sad and um it's interesting how different dynamics like that work and how far they can go. You know, it can it can lead to something like this and and you would never expect it. Yeah. All right, Melissa. Well, that was the episode for this week. I think that's it for that. That is it for that. <laughs> do we have a little last thing before we go to do this week? We specifically have a little last thing to go uh, before <laughs> we go this week. So we haven't done this in a while. I uh, This story took place in Missouri this week. And so I looked up some weird uh, Missouri laws. And so this is going to be fill in the blank for you or, or multiple choice. So I'll give okay. you some options. So um, for the first one, these are laws in, Minis- or in Missouri, real laws. So the first one is blank cannot resemble an animal. Is that a car can't resemble an animal, tubs, or Halloween costumes? Wait, what was the second one? Cars, tubs, or Halloween costumes? Tubs? Why would... Okay, I'm going to say cars. Interesting. It was actually tubs, so... Well, I don't get it. <laughs> oh, so, you know, on... I know. You know the the claw things, the feet on um, tubs that can sometimes look like animal paws? Oh, like a clawfoot tub? Yeah. Yeah. I guess. (laughs) (laughs) There's an actual name for that, Melissa. Those. Those are technically illegal in Missouri. A bathtub? Yes, a bathtub. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Claw. Get out of here. Okay. (laughs) All right. Next one. Blank are not allowed to run. Who is not allowed to run? Milkmen, gym teachers, or anesthesiologists? (laughs) Um... (laughs) Oh, gosh. I'm going to say milkmen. Good job. Apparently, it was some, you know, at the time, a long time ago, they were carrying bottles of milk. They could break and they lose that supply and then that, it makes money. Sense. It does. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite part about doing this is always adding things like gym teachers and anesthesiologists. Okay. Okay. I'm like, wait a minute. They have to run. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. I did not think that one through. Next one. In Missouri, all single men between the ages of 21 and 50 must pay an annual tax of how much? $1, $10, or 100 Is this for real? 
I mean, it, I don't know if it's still a law, but according to at least three websites, it's there. Hold on a minute. So men just have to pay a tax for existing? 21 and 50 must pay an annual tax of how much? Okay. How much are my choices again? One, 10, or $100. $10. It's only one. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, that's, you know, what's the point at this point? Interesting. But, yeah. yeah. Okay. In the town of Purdy... Blank is strictly prohibited. So is it decorating for Christmas before December 1st, <laughs> dancing of any kind, or de- donating old shoes without tags? Well, it should be decorating for Christmas before Don't. They're going to come December for you. <laughs> Don't do it. Is that what it is? No, it's not that. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm going to say the donating shoes one. No. It's actually no dancing of any kind. Apparently – I, oh. I mean, this isn't the Footloose Town, but I guess it could be the Footloose Town. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it is. I didn't get that far in it. Okay, last one. In St. Louis, it's illegal for an on-duty firefighter to rescue a woman wearing a blank, a tie, an ankle bracelet, or a nightgown. <laughs> what kind of ankle bracelet are we talking about? <laughs> uh, I'm going to say nightgown. Good job. It's nightgown. Apparently, you're supposed to get fully dressed before you can be rescued from a burning building. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm sorry. That's going to be like, that would be the story of my life, right? Like, I just have it. That's the reason they don't save me. Yeah, they're like, we tried to save her. I'm not dressed appropriately for the occasion of of having my life saved. (laughs) (laughs) We tried to save her, but she showed up in a robe. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That's all I have. I love those. Those are always fun. Me too. All right, guys. Well, that was the episode for this week. Um, We are in November, in case you needed that reality check really quick. And uh, that means we just don't have a lot of time left for this year. So... Oh, well, yeah. way to leave it on a happy <laughs> note for people. <laughs> it might be a high note. Hey, true, some people true. might be very happy to move on. I always like the end of the year. I enjoy going through the end of the year, but then... I do. There is something about starting a new year. I like January. I like starting a new year. Yeah. I Somebody uh, commented recently like, oh, man, just started Moms and Murder and listening to their last episode of 2019 where they said they couldn't wait for 2000. Oh, no. I so know. now I'm afraid to do that now. Um, I be- know. Very before true. we go, um, we do have um, Patreon. If you have not been there, patreon.com slash Moms and Murder podcast. We will have our end of the month video or audio. It's a whole separate episode that we do there. That will be up in the next couple of days before November 1st. So whenever you're listening, Yay. it's already up. Yay. All right, guys. Well, we will see you back next week. Same time, same place, new story. Have a great week. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Moms and Murder podcast. Make sure to check back with us next week for a new episode. You can also find us at momsandmurder.com where you can connect with us via social media. Please make sure you subscribe and give us five stars because giving us four stars would be a crime. Thanks so much.